Osborne Flotilla, a squadron of eight warships that China commissioned for use in the final phase of the Taiping Rebellion. When it came time for China to send its first diplomatic mission abroad, Gong turned to Burlingame to lead it. As Burlingame put it in a letter to Seward on December 14, he intended to resign his post as minister to China in 1868 to return to the United States and resume his career in domestic politics. Before he left, Gong honored him with a farewell dinner, at which the prince pressed Burlingame to help build American support for China when he returned to the United States. Burlingame politely acceded to the request, upon which, according to Burlingame, a senior Chinese official at the table interjected, Why will you not represent us officially? Burlingame assured Seward that he took this as a joke and was only later informed that the offer was serious. He indicated his acceptance on November 18. His official commission was dated November 21. On that day, he resigned his service to the United States and entered the service of China as a high minister extraordinary and plenipotentiary. On November 22, Gong sent a letter to the U.S. legation in Beijing, in which he stressed China's need to have its voice heard on the world stage and his respect for Burlingame. He enclosed a note nominally from the emperor, empowering Burlingame to attend to every question arising between China and the countries of the West. Few, if any, Chinese officials had the experience needed to take on the job, and Gong trusted the United States. With the United Kingdom ensconced in Hong Kong, France seeking to conquer Vietnam, and Russia pressing on China's northern and western frontiers, the United States was the only Western state that Chinese officials believed had no territorial designs on their country. The main objective of the Burlingame mission, from China's point of view, was to solicit assurances from Western governments that there would be no more demands for territorial concessions from China. Russia was probably the key target, and the United States was seen as a good interlocutor, having just negotiated the purchase of Alaska from Russia earlier in the year. Accompanied by two Chinese ministers, Burlingame traveled from Beijing to Shanghai in December and then on to Yokohama and San Francisco in the new year. After a fast 23 days crossing, he entered San Francisco Bay on March 31, 1868. Mission Possible? Burlingame's arrival in San Francisco was highly anticipated, and people gathered at the wharf to get their first glimpse of Chinese nobility and of the imperial yellow dragon flag, which appeared in many contemporary press reports. Burlingame's party included the three ministers, nine other staff members, and 18 servants. Also on board, according to a report in the San Francisco newspaper Daily Alta Californian, were 42 Americans, their children, and 738 unnamed Chinese. The same ship had carried only 209 passengers on its journey out. California's chief import from China in the 1860s was people. Chinese labor was famously exploited in the building of the United States' first transcontinental railroad, which was under construction at the time of Burlingame's arrival in San Francisco. As many as 10,000 Chinese workers were then employed on the Central Pacific Railroad, and many more were working for businesses providing food and supplies. More than 1,000 may have died. With the completion of the railroad still more than a year away, 
the Burlingame mission traveled on by steamship via Panama to New York. On June 6, Burlingame's group arrived at the White House. President Andrew Johnson left the diplomatic business to Seward, who was still Secretary of State. Seward and Burlingame arranged a treaty of eight articles to supplement the existing 1858 commercial treaty between the United States and China. The so-called Burlingame Treaty was ratified by the Senate on July 24, signed by the President on October 19, and ratified by the Chinese Empire the following year. The First Equal Treaty The Burlingame Treaty is justly famous as the first equal treaty agreed to by China in the modern era. All of China's previous international treaties, like several later agreements, had been dictated to Beijing by foreign powers at the barrel of a gun. These unequal treaties, as they are known, forced China to open its ports.